A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, City Afan. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Milan tear up the form book and make a huge statement in the title race, while Inter rediscover their form and bow out of Europe with heads held high, except for Alexis Sanchez, who loses his. We'll discuss that, Jordan Pickford's birthday, and all the rest of the action in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to the pod. Uh, another week of potentially season-defining games, both domestically and in Europe. Uh, so there's a fair amount to get through. Uh, but before we get to that, Mr. Sacchetti in Tel Aviv, you're back with us. How are you doing and what have you been up to this week? I'm doing pretty well. I've not been up to much besides uh, getting very angry at my neighbours who hopefully don't listen to this podcast. But <laughs> essentially they left... a. Uh, a rubbish bag outside of the door for about six days and i mean i don't mind them leaving it there for a couple of hours and then dropping it off when they leave the house but this this particular bag was there for quite a while and uh, when i bumped into them into one of them these neighbors on the stairs the other day i asked him if they were running some sort of art project or a science experiment <laughs> at which point this bag disappeared immediately maybe listeners can tell me if i was too rude or something i don't know <laughs> I don't know, but I like the fact that you're using the, the podcast as a kind of agony ant place. Yeah, also personal vendettas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great stuff. And have you got a beer this week? I'm rocking that uh, Beavertown vibe we had in the last episode, and I'm having a neck oil this week. Oh, I'm very jealous. Neck oil, my favorite beer in the world. Enjoy it. I have got myself a, well, I've just gone for the boring, reliable center back, as Oscar called it, the... Brewdog Dead Pony Club. And yeah, not really got much to report this week. It's been okay. It's not been bad. Uh, so let's get into let's get into the action. We'll start with the the European action, uh, because as we record, the the Atalanta game has just finished, so we have had a full a full midweek of uh, European action for Italian clubs. We we'll start with the Inter though, because uh, Champions League, obviously. They, they bow out after an encouraging performance against Liverpool. Uh, Boaz, lots of positives to take from this one. Yeah, definitely Inter can bow out with their heads held up high. Although maybe they will have a, a couple of regrets looking back over the two ties. They definitely gave um, Liverpool a good game. And especially in the first leg, they probably did not deserve to lose, at least not by a two-goal margin. Obviously, Liverpool are a much more seasoned team. They've the players are slightly older and they're they have a slightly bigger profile. And I think th- this will be a great lesson for the younger players in the Inter squad. But as I said, m- maybe a few regrets for the Alexis Sanchez red card, for example. Mm. And also maybe in this particular leg, I understand that they were down to ten men for much of the second half, but nonetheless, um there was a feeling that maybe they could have gone for it a little bit more. Also, eyebrows, of course, were raised that Edin Zeko didn't come on the pitch, but I think that was yeah. more to do with the fact that uh, Inter have a tendency to lump it up front when he's on the pitch. And obviously, with uh, Van Dijk being the centre-back yeah. for Liverpool, probably not the best tactic. So, um, Inzaghi opted to bring on 
another midfielder and kind of try and play the ball out of trouble. But let's let's not forget that despite the positive result, Liverpool did hit the, the woodwork. And as I said, Liverpool are a much more seasoned team and did deserve to go through, but Inter gave a good showing to of themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was particularly impressed with uh, Vidal's performance, to be honest. Uh, Vidal at his very best, combative best, uh, I thought. I think Skriniar actually ended up getting the uh, the Man of the Match award. Uh, but let's talk about that Alexis Sanchez sending off. I mean, I saw it and I thought, what are you doing? Silly boy. But I mean, in, in the UK, the pundits after the game were suggesting that it was actually harsh because... I mean, he did get the ball beforehand. So I guess a good place to start with this is, was it a sending off for you? Was it a second yellow for you? So first of all, I would probably argue that his first uh, yellow card was maybe more of a red card to begin with, an an Mm. orange at best. An orange, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he was already walking quite a tight rope and the way modern football is evolving, you just can't follow through anymore, especially like that. He did get the ball, but uh, he does put the opposing player in kind of in danger and more to the point it's right after they've scored the goal yeah maybe a cooler head especially considering he's one of the yeah. quote unquote veterans of the of the team a cooler head would probably win better yeah very much so i mean you could have said it all there it it, it looked like it was a hot headed lunge and to be honest that he wasn't really in uh, in full control, was he? He did get to the ball. He did poke it poke it away from from the defender. But I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you can't just you just can't do that really in the in the modern game. And the timing, I think, probably didn't work in his favor either. After that goal, there was kind of a, a sense that they were kind of riled up and and you know rearing to go, chomping at the bit. So maybe made it look even more reckless than it was. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Inter go out of of Europe disappointing as that's uh, that leaves only Juve in the in the Champions League now for at least one more week. But I, I agree, they, they got their heads held high. Uh, I think both of us were kind of expecting Liverpool to pretty much walk all over them, um, as a lot of pundits in Italy were saying wouldn't happen. So you mentioned uh, Vidal earlier on, and you also kind of alluded to Skriniar. I have to say that uh, Brozovic again was uh, phenomenal and possibly him and Skriniar were the two players who could kind of slot into the Liverpool side in my opinion and uh, him going off slightly injured although the current reports are suggesting that it's not too bad an injury should have Inter fans worried because he's a -a one-of-a-kind player and especially Mm. under Conte and now even under Inzaghi he's come come uh, he's really improved yeah 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 absolutely Uh, and I think that run that Inter were on uh, earlier, a couple of weeks back, kind of coincided with him being missing for for a couple of games. Before we move on, I I may be contradicting myself a little bit because I've said throughout the season that I think that Inter probably have the best uh, out and out team in the league. But it felt a little bit um, yesterday that with uh, the likes of Gallardini, Vidal, who did play well, but still he's not uh, he's not peak Barella, let's say, and Vecino on the pitch. Mm. Um, maybe they're uh, Midfield is a little bit short on talent, or at the very least, young talent. Someone that can come in and make a difference. Yeah, when Barella's out, as he was. And perhaps n- now is the time to question the decision to send Cincy on loan to Sampdoria. Mm. Yeah, very, very good point. Uh, right, let's move on to the to the other 
European action because uh, as we record on Thursday night, uh, Roma got a useful 1-0 victory away to Vitesse in the UEFA Conference League uh, to take into the second leg. Mourinho said they got lucky tonight. Uh, I mean, I have to say from my point of view, I watched quite a, a long part of the, the first half, but had parenting duties, so didn't actually get to see the, the end of the game. Uh, but, I mean, the pitch was an absolute mess. Mm. The players were kind of... The, the ground was giving way beneath their feet. Uh, the ball like was bobbling all over the place. So I think mitigating circumstances for me, um, perhaps. Uh, but Boaz, this is actually quite an impressive run that Roma are on. That's three wins in a row, seven risultati utili or games undefeated in Serie A. Um, and yeah, I guess that probably does mean that we, we need to speak about their 1-0 win at the weekend against Atalanta as well. Yeah, you were very riled by this result and <laughs> justifiably so because the Roma had something like 34% possession at home. But nonetheless, uh, the tactics appear to be working and this kind of bunker mentality that Mourinho is so famous for is kind of transpiring in this latter half of the season it's it's funny once again to stress the fact that for these last two games Mourinho has not even been pitch side and suddenly Roma are uh, picking up great score great points against teams that they would otherwise uh, lose against but um I'm I'm not sure they can they have the momentum to continue this this path and we'll, I mean we'll see uh, the their squad is definitely not as good as some of the other teams in Serie A but stranger things have happened Specifically for today's game, I just wanted to highlight Sergio Oliveira, who pretty much was involved in all the main bits of the game. <laughs> he scored the goal um, and then got sent off 10 minutes before the end of the game. So good on him for... An eventful game. For yeah, him. yeah. He was constantly yeah. in the ref's book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you said I was frustrated by that game at the or riled by that game at the weekend. I think in the, you know... In retrospect, having had a few days to calm down, it was just frustration, really, because, uh, I mean, Atalanta could not find a way through. Um, it has to be said, yes, they had all of that possession. I'm, I'm sure they had the vast majority of the territory as well, although I haven't actually seen the stats for that. But they just really, really couldn't find a way through. I think there was only one point where, I believe it was Freuler, managed to kind of get through one-on-one, but... Um, wasn't able to to finish it off. Uh, I, there there were some, some sort of questionable moments. There was the Tammy Abraham challenge on Demiral, which Demiral obviously posted uh, an image of on Instagram afterwards, saying, "What is this?" With you know uh, his leg with stud marks in it, basically. In retrospect, I can kind of see why that was not given as as a red card, but it was definitely. You mentioned the. The Alexis Sanchez first challenge in the Inter game against Liverpool being orange. That was very, very definitely an orange card if ever there was one. I think he only just about got away with it because uh, you could argue that he just didn't react quickly enough. But yeah, I think there, you know, it's fair to have some grievances, but ultimately Atalanta didn't create enough uh, and Roma just were absolutely rock solid. Atlanta are going through a kind of a rough patch. This was their third defeat in the last five games. And uh, with the exception of that 4-0 victory against Sampdoria, uh, they haven't been particularly shining. Obviously, a big caveat is uh, the fact that 
uh, Zapata is missing up front. And I mean, any mm. team would uh, miss a player of his quality and also his particular skill set. But at the same time, maybe this is a slight damning statement to uh, Gasperini's choice of having such a small uh, squad. And in, in times when everyone's healthy, it works. But uh, at times like this, maybe... Um, What's the name of that Dutch striker that they had last season who's out on loan this year? Lammers, Sam, Sam Lammers. For example, he would have probably done the job right now. Yeah, although I think he started quite well on loan at uh, Eintracht Frankfurt and then kind of quickly fell out of the running. So maybe there's more to that than kind of uh, meets meets the eye, really. But yeah, I mean, yes, Zapata is a big and obvious uh, miss, but also, I mean, Atalanta had all sorts of injury and... Uh, suspension problems in in defense and i mean gasparini's kind of even had to change to back four at, at times um so i mean uh, yeah yeah perhaps paying the price for having that sort of smaller nucleus of better players which i think is uh what what gasparini was kind of going trying to maximize the the resources but it's paid off for him in you know the last few seasons so yeah perhaps just this season, perhaps maybe just one too far, uh, but you, you mentioned that they're not this poor run of form, and they have been. It's been very, very patchy. Uh, but with the the result tonight, which we'll get on to speak about now, they've actually now won three of their last four competitive games. It just so happens that two of those have been in, in Europe. But yeah, tonight they beat Bayer Leverkusen three two. I mean, this was a really great open game, albeit with some highly questionable defending from from both sides, mm. but particularly from Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, but Maninovsky and Muriel were particularly impressive, which may go some way to answering that question, that point that you made about being without a striker. If Muriel can find his form again, then you know he could be absolutely devastating as he was tonight. It's just that he kind of ran into a sticky patch right at the time when uh, Zapata was out injured and then got injured himself. So if he's back, then that's can only be good news. But yeah, on tonight's game, I think Atalanta probably be a bit disappointed that they didn't win by more. They probably should have had uh, another, another goal or two. Um, so yeah, the tie remains very much open heading into the second leg in Germany. Right, we've mentioned some of last weekend's action with that uh, that game that should not be mentioned again. But undoubtedly, Boaz, this is your moment to shine. The Napoli-Milan game was a huge game at uh, the weekend. And Boaz, predictably, the opposite of what we suspected was going to happen actually happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, Milan were very impressive in a match that was a great advert for Serie A as a whole. It was end-to-end stuff to the extent that uh, when I arrived at work the next day people who don't usually watch uh, time football were coming up to me and saying wow what a what a fantastic game that was a lot of fun and it, I was surprised by that but kind of pleased because I feel that this is the kind of match that say I should be beaming around the world to show that it's now a, a much it's a fun league but anyways back to the game um, once again Giroud got a all-important goal uh, and additionally it's one it's his first goal away from San Siro, I believe it's in in this season. So um, mm. a milestone all round. But Milan were very dominant, and Pioli's tactics were spot on. He switched things around a little bit. Uh, he played a four-one-four-one, which um, threw uh, Napoli off and didn't let their ball players uh, 
have much time on the ball, which, as I said, they, they looked a little bit frazzled. That being said, Osimhen was uh, was always a thorn in the side, but the young Kalulu uh, for Milan was very impressive as the as the back, as the centre back next to Tomori, and uh, that's a pairing that uh, will be interesting in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the uh, Osimhen there. Obviously, one of the things that Spalletti was slightly aggrieved that uh, Osimhen didn't get. A penalty, which I feel actually probably was a fair shout, but I also feel that Milan had a, a fair shout as well with Benacer going down. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how you feel, Buzz, about that. Uh, <laughs> but you might disagree with me. Both coaches were suffering from um, slight uh, nearsightedness. Let's say um, they both said something along the line, especially Spalletti, but Pioli also alluded to the fact that the my penalty was more of a penalty than their penalty, oh. pretty much. Um, <laughs> I didn't actually see that, but I like that that happened. Yeah, I mean, uh, Spalletti was particularly vocal about this, but Pioli also had a sly dig at this. But in any case, um, I would have probably given them both, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's just yet another example of VAR not being used correctly, really. And this is a ref that likes to be likes to play it an uh, inglese, as they like to say, and maybe... A little bit of ego means that he doesn't want he doesn't really like to check VAR too often. Uh it's his style and this will always happen. Refer- different referees are referee in different ways, and it just so happens that this match in particular was refereed by a guy who doesn't particularly like to whistle. Mm, yeah. And in terms of the title race, it's so hard to call this season really, because anytime we think the momentum is with one club, it completely shifts. And so Boz, we're moving into the final quarter of the season. Any idea where this is going? I mean, it's always a pleasure to um, be recording this podcast with my, my club at the top of the league, albeit Inter still have a, a game in hand. Mm. I, do, I do still feel that Inter will probably pip Milan at the end of the season. I think that, uh, I keep saying this, but I think that Napoli have a slightly tougher set of results coming up, a uh, set of games coming up. We'll see if they get through that, then... It, it's going to be a very interesting season. I can't remember a season where there was there have been three clubs yeah. battling it out so closely. And let's not forget that um, Atlanta and Juventus are not far not far off either. Although, as we mentioned last week, probably a little bit too far off to be in the Scudetto running. Yeah, I'd say so. Right. So, looking to the weekend ahead, we've got Torino, Inter, or Verona, Napoli are probably the pick of the games at the top of the table this week, while Spezia, Cagliari is a big game in the battle against the drop. Boaz, any thoughts on any of those? So I think um, there's some interesting narrative in all three of those games. I think since we've just spoken about Napoli, I think probably worth dwelling a little bit more on Verona-Napoli, which in my mind, although it's probably not not a highly marketable game, it's going to be a fantastic game, both in terms of uh, the players on the pitch, but also the mentality of the two coaches. Verona are having a fantastic season if if I'm not mistaken, they have the fourth best uh, point tally in 2022, just behind uh, Juve, Napoli and Milan. And also they've scored the most goals in Serie A in this period. So the fans there must be having a great time. And uh, Napoli obviously just come off this uh, defeat, but also they've uh, they've not beaten Verona in the last three games. So we could say that Verona are a slight bogey team and you can remember if you can throw your mind back to the last game of the season last year, 
Napoli, all the Napoli needed to do was beat Verona to get to the Champions League. And of course, they yeah, threw that course. game. So there's yeah. maybe a little bit of uh, history building up in this game. But it's one I'll be I'll, I'm very excited to watch. And I hope that it'll be an, a good game. Mm. And Torino, Inter, Spezia, Cagliari? On paper, Torino should be a tough challenge for Inter. But when you look underneath the hood a little bit, you see that uh, Inter have won the last five games against Torino, scoring an average of 2.6 games a, a game. <laughs> it's almost like you were prepared for this, but Yeah. And uh, also, um, Torino are going through a little bit of a rough patch. They haven't won at home in the last three games, which is their worst run since Giampaolo, who is now not doing amazing things at Sampdoria, uh, mm. was the manager. So although, as I said on paper, this was supposed to be a tough game, I, I think Inter, particularly with that Salernitana result and also the the good performance against Liverpool, I think they should probably get the three points against Torino. We'll see what happens, but it'll be an interesting game as well. Great clash of uh, ideas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the thing to say about the Spezia Cagliari game probably is we're moving into that stage of the season now where, well, as Alex Ferguson used to call it, squeaky bum time. Um, they They're both sitting just above the, the relegation spot. Cagliari had, until this weekend, obviously been on uh, great form, as we've spoken about. Spezia, less so. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, right, let's move on to, to best of the rest then, um, starting with Fiorentina, who have now presented those plans that we spoke about last week <laughs> for the redevelopment of the Artemio Franchi. Uh, the... I don't know if you saw any of this, Boaz, but there was this uh, competition for who was going to get to design the the stadium. And it was the most epic thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> it was about two hours long. It was, uh, it, there were interviews with Batistuta was there and uh, various sort of former players. But yeah, the, the design that emerged victorious has kind of divided opinion. But I've got to say from a personal point of view, I am not a... Uh, I'm, I'm not an expert in architecture, but I think with the constraints of keeping the existing stadium, which, I mean, it does seem a little bit ridiculous, really, although, it, you know, very nice stadium of its time. But I think the architects have actually done a good job, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it finished and in use in Serie A. It's interesting because the mayor of Florence, who I've I seem to reference quite a lot on this podcast, bizarrely. <laughs> but... He has his run-ins with Comiso so often. It's interesting because he drew comparisons with the Stadio Flaminio in Rome, which is also kind of a protected uh, structure or uh, one of these heritage sites. And therefore, the, the choice was made not to knock it down. And it pretty much sits empty throughout the year, which is a mm. great shame. So, I mean, the way this project works, at the very least, it gets over this hurdle. Yeah. And I think because uh, we mentioned it last week, because it's got these funds from the European Recovery fund it should or it has to be completed in the next four years which would be lightning speed by uh italian stadia development it sounds like a challenge on football manager a complete <laughs> stadium in four years and... <laughs> yeah uh right uh let's move on to juventus where dibala contract talks have been postponed again um fueling those growing rumors that he may leave in the summer there's a lot of paper talk at the weekend in the gazetta for example that it looks like he's on his way to Inter, but um, Atleti, Barca and Spurs are all also being linked with the move. Elsewhere, Fijuchi have announced that from 2023, 
Adidas will take over from Puma as a technical sponsors or kit providers to the Azzurri. So don't know about you, Boaz, but I'm really looking forward to that. I love a good Adidas kit. Yeah, that really excites me. I, I hope it's not one of their copy-paste designs, but rather, rather something a little bit more unique to Italy. But Adidas kits are always a bit fancy. Um, yeah. I have to say my favorite uh, Italy kits are probably the, the kit they wore for the 98 World Cup, I believe it was. It was a, a Nike top. And uh, also, the, the obviously, the kit they wore for the 2006 World Cup, more for sentimental reasons, although I do own that shirt. It's a fantastic shirt. Yeah, it is a fantastic shirt. Uh, right, so Venezia have lost their appeal against playing the match versus uh, Salernitana. So basically, I've made a bit of a bodge job of, of explaining that there, but this game was originally scheduled to go ahead on the 6th of January, but was postponed due to a COVID outbreak at the Campania side. Venezia took to the field, as we've seen ridiculously too many times in, in uh, Italy. Pantomime. Yeah, exactly. And obviously no game happened and they were hoping to be awarded the three points, but it's now been ruled that the game will have to go ahead. So yeah, bad news for, for Venezia that really in their battle against the drop because I'm sure they could have done with those three points. Yeah, you have to feel for Venezia because back in January, Salernitana were a little bit of a shit show and uh, now they've, okay, they just lost to Inter by a big margin, but overall they have a new manager, some new players in, it's a slightly different side. So um, you'd, you'd argue that Venezia probably would have been better off playing in January. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Very, very good point. Uh, right, staying in the relegation zone, uh, relegation threatened Genoa, now undefeated in six, though also without a league win since September. So, Boaz, to steal your joke, the new manager is a, a mixed blessing. Uh, and before you have any opportunity to, to respond to that, uh, we're going to move on to, to good week, bad week, Boaz. So let's start with good week, as we normally do. I, I would say the three main contenders this week are Milan and Roma, for obvious reasons we've spoken about, uh, or Lazio for their thumping win against an informed Cagliari. Do you agree with those nominations? And who would you pick? I'm a little bit biased this week, but uh, with Milan going top, it's, it's a good chance to give them a good week. That being said... Roma don't often get mentioned in the good week uh, column, particularly not in the last season or so. And um, with two wins in the week, maybe maybe the pendulum swings a little bit closer to them. Yeah, my vote goes to Roma. I'll give it to Roma. I'm happy with that. Great. So good week, Roma, and bad week. So you mentioned Salernitana losing 5-0 to Inter. I think they've got to be in the running um, we mentioned Venezia as well, but they followed up last week's 3-1 defeat to Verona with a 4-1 defeat to Sassuolo. And uh, I guess the other candidate, Cagliari, losing 3-0 to, to Lazio, as uh, as we just mentioned as well. Those would be my nominations. Again, who who would you go for? Do you agree with the nominations? I agree. I can we give it to Venezia back to, in back-to-back weeks or is that a little bit harsh? On yeah, the, on... I, I think it's a bit harsh. And, uh, I mean, losing to Lazio is not such a... I mean, it sucks when Cuscaglieri are chasing, uh, are trying to not get relegated, but at the same time, there's no disrespect to lose to Lazio, particularly with Chile Mobile in such good form. So that just leaves, as a process of elimination, that, that leaves one team for us. Mm. Or I suppose we could go for Napoli as well. Just 
throw it into the the ring as a, kind of a, a wild card. I do feel that Napoli, although Milan did play better, I feel that uh, Napoli put on a good show and they, there were some. They have some splendid players and yeah. I I don't I don't think they deserve a bad week, especially not this week. Okay, so we're undecided between Salernitana and Cagliari, are we? Yeah, I think it's um, uh, let's flip a coin basically. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to go just because of the quality of the opposition. And you're right, Lazio are, are not a bad side at all. But um, I think Cagliari will be disappointed given the run of form they were in. Uh, Salernitana, the bottom side, losing to the champions 5-0. Um, I'm going to go for Cagliari, I think. Reluctantly okay. going for Cagliari for, for bad week. Perfect. Cool. So we're going good well, week. Well, not Roma. perfect. Very sad for them. <laughs> imperfect. Very imperfect. Uh, good week. Roma and bad week Cagliari. Right, and on that note, Boaz, it's time for your theme tune and keeping up with the Italians. Fantastic. So, um, Carlo Ancelotti's Real Madrid came back from being 2-0 down on aggregate to get a stupendous win against uh, serial bottlers PSG. In the same game, Donnarumma was largely to blame for Real Madrid's uh, opening goal, uh, which basically turned the game on its head. And it has to be said, he's had fewer games this season than Zlatan has, despite the latter being injured a lot of the time. Over in England, uh, Antonio Conte continues to win one game, lose one game, win one game, lose one game. And uh, <laughs> this time, his Tottenham side smashed relegation-threatened Everton 5-0. In Germany, Daniel Caliguri scored a very late winner against uh, Armenia for Augsburg. And uh, Fernando Forestier, who we might, you might remember I mentioned a few weeks ago, has moved to... Uh, Malaysia scored his first goal for his new club, Johor. Stefano Makopi is the new manager for Bulgarian side FC Tsarko Selo. And across the border in Romania, goalkeeper Mirko Pigliacelli kept his third clean sheet in a row. Moving swiftly to Turkey, who we haven't, whom we haven't mentioned in a while. So thanks to Stefano Kaka, who uh, rescued the, a point for his side and got to double figures for the, for the first time in a few seasons. Elsewhere in Turkey, Andrea Bertolacci got off the mark for his new club, Kaiserspor. And lastly, my good friend Gianluca Festa, who just last week we reported had left his post for Apollon Smyrnis, has just rocked up with a fellow Greek club, Lamia. So good luck to him and look forward to reporting more about his results there. Yeah, I'm disappointed that we haven't nicknamed him Johnny Party. Yeah, but good. But there we go. Right. Let, thank you very much for that, Boaz. Let's move on to the honorables and dishonorables section. I'm going to start with an honorable for Milan and England's Tomori for his, I, I believe it was a post-match interview that he gave uh, it entirely in Italian. And just, I mean, he made, he made a couple of mistakes, but it's impressive how well he's speaking after just one year. Um, and it's an honorable for, you know, picking up the language and really kind of throwing himself into uh, Italian football, really. He seems to be absolutely loving his time. And I'm not sure if you saw the tweet he uh, he tweeted out afterwards here. He uh, responded to the journalist who had originally mentioned this interview in, in Italian, saying, I'm doing my best or something along those lines. But again, the fact that he's going out there and he's uh, making an effort is really appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, Boaz, you've got an honourable for Regione Liguria. This kind of follows up on a, on a story we told a couple of weeks ago, where you, you might remember that uh, Dumfries was uh, seriously reprimanded by some of his teammates for putting chicken in his uh, his pesto pasta. 
Um, we will never forget. Rightfully so. But uh, the Regione Liguria was uh, very quick to act and they sent him a food ambassador kit, which involved, <laughs> uh, includes wine and pesto and pasta. And, and they, they told him expressly not to put the <laughs> chicken in his uh, pesto. So, I mean, if anything, Dumfries is a spell in Italy will always be remembered for this one culinary uh, act of uh, aggression. <laughs> yeah, good on them. Well done. Uh, right, I've got a dishonorable, and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, but I'm giving a dishonorable to Martin Darun for his red card at the end of Roma-Atalanta. Similar situation to the one we mentioned with Jack Bonaventura the other, uh, the other week, uh, where he was booked for, I mean, probably was a bookable offence, but turned around, obviously frustrated in absolute rage and gave the referee an earful and proceeded to be immediately shown the second yellow and sent off. And the reason I'm doing this is to show that we, we tried to be balanced and even-handed because I think after giving Bonaventura one, I couldn't uh, get away with not giving Martin Darun one for doing exactly the same thing. In typical Darun fashion, he then uh, released a funny tweet about the, the red card. Of column. course. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, self-deprecative tweet as well. So, yeah. Great. And Boaz, you've got an honorable for Balde Keita. Yeah, a few months ago, a documentary came out in Spain called Hermanos. It uh, tells the story of uh, Keita Balde while he was still playing for Monaco uh, last season or two seasons ago. And essentially, he um, collected food, clothes, and, uh, and often money for a group of uh, Senegalese immigrants who were living on the outskirts of Barcelona. And because of their um, legal status, they, they couldn't exactly work. So essentially, he, he provided for them. And this documentary uh, shone a light on, on this particular problem. And he's been praised by uh, media and politicians in Spain. So, I mean, this is a good chance but for us to, to praise him as well. And kudos for a great act. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, right. I'm going to give my goals honorable now. And it's going to go to Felipe Anderson. Uh, I think there weren't that many sort of, well, there weren't really that many sort of really spectacular wow goals, I don't think, this weekend. Uh, but Felipe Andersons was great to put Lazio 3 0 up against Cagliari. He kind of took on about three or four defenders and then just really composed finish at the end of it. So lovely goal. And I think that's got to be, got to be goal of the week. Boaz, you've got an honorable for Atalanta fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, the we mentioned quite in depth in our last episode about uh, the situation between Miranchuk and Malinovsky at uh, Atalanta and the fact that they're actually really good friends and obviously neither of them are to blame for what's happening between their two countries. But in any case, the Atalanta fans brought out a really nicely drawn banner with the two players kind of uh, holding hands and uh, I believe there was like a peace sign next to it and it's it's just a, a nice act and a great show of support for both guys who, as I just said, yeah. don't really have a bearing in what in the, what's happening. Yeah, there is a really nice show of unity that we're seeing at Atalanta, isn't it? Uh, the, the fans, the, the the rest of the squad, and the two players themselves, um, who are obviously going through a very very difficult time. Yeah, and it's obviously a delicate uh, issue to deal with, and there there's there's no right or wrong way, but uh, Atalanta have handled themselves really well and. They've shown great support for both players in a time when maybe others would have thrown someone under the bus or kind of shown a, shown a cold shoulder. Yeah, yeah, 
I absolutely second that. And with that, I'm going to come to just completely changing the tone. I'm going to come to my my final mention, and it's a dishonorable. Um, it's for it's just fresh off the presses for a, a Morata challenge entry from Vitesse's Openda in the UEFA Conference League game against Roma. Um, so I mean, a bit of a defensive mix-up led to a kind of two players on the goalkeeper situation. The ball was crossed to him. And from about two yards out, managed to sky it over the bar. So, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, went on to lose that game one nil, obviously, as we mentioned. So, yeah, this is I think the second time that we've given a, a dishonourable mention for a Morata challenge entry for a player that does not play in Italy. So there you go. Um, he wanted it so badly that he's like, "This is my chance. I'm playing on the Italian <laughs> side." Yeah, he heard that there was one up for grabs, and he took that with with both hands. Uh, Boaz, you are also ending with a dishonorable for someone who doesn't play in Italy. No, this is. Uh, I'd like to give an honorable for um, one oh, of the. It's, it's an honorable, is it? I'd like to give an honorable for one of the heroes of Italy's uh, Euro 2020 <laughs> victory, and uh, that is uh, Jordan Pickford, whose birthday was this week. And thanks for n- not saving any penalties. And uh, yeah, f- fantastic <laughs> stuff. Yeah, and obviously the the link being that. He was on the other end of uh, Antonio Conte's 5-0 demolition job. I was actually referring to, yeah, but I was also referring to the Euro 2020 final where <laughs> where, where he, um, yeah, fortunately, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't stop any penalties. Right, just, you just wanted a, a random piece of gloating there. Yeah, it's, it's time, you know, it's time like this. <laughs> with, with the playoff coming up, it was a good, time, good chance to bring it up and I okay. noticed it was his birthday. Um, okay. Hopefully nice we didn't lose any of our English uh, fans who listen to the podcast in this process. Yeah, I suspect we may have done. But anyway, let's let's put draw a line under it there. That is all we've got time for this week. So thank you very much, everybody, for, for listening. As ever, please do subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your audio. We'll speak to you again next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Che sta decretando lo scudetto del Milan in questo preciso istante. Finita! La Juventus è campione d'Italia. Questa data, il 6 maggio. Tutto anticipo, la Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia. Sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra nella giornata. 